The Start On Demand. On demand. As the fallout continues from those comments that were made public from that chat group involving Winnipeg-born NHL player Brendan Leipzig, who made degrading comments about women, we'll speak to a former goalie who on Thursday night spoke out on his social media about what he sees as toxic hockey culture. We'll also speak to our friend Andrea Cates from Fit Women and Girls about body image issues because these comments can trigger some awful body image issues. And as well, on the subject of body image, there was that discussion this week about Adele and how people were commenting on her weight loss. So we'll ask Andrea about that too. And Christian O'Mell had his interview with Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice interrupted in most hilarious fashion. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, May 8th podcast for The Start. Phone lines are open at 204-780-6868. We are looking for our final qualifier for Wishing I Was Fishing with a grand prize valued at over $6,000 courtesy of Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets. And it comes with a whole bunch of goodies from the fishing hole. Full details at cjob.com. Call us now at 204-780-6868 and we will get to those calls in a moment. But first, Greg, in our next segment... Say it ain't so. No CFL season? Yeah, well, federal politicians gave CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi a little bit of pushback, a rough ride, in fact, yesterday during his testimony before a House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance. Ambrosi spoke via video uh, during a panel on arts, culture, sports, and charitable organizations. His appearance came after the news that broke last week that the CFL had requested up to $150 million in financial assistance from the federal government due to COVID-19 pandemic. Ambrosi asked that the decision makers consider how the CFL earns its money. Bringing people together makes this great, but in a pandemic, it makes us vulnerable. Because the first thing to go and the last thing to come back is large gatherings, and large gatherings is the lifeblood of the CFL. Unlike large U.S.-based leagues, our biggest source of revenue is not TV, it's ticket sales. Governments coping with COVID-19 for reasons of public health that we totally support have made it impossible for us to do what we do. Our best case scenario for this year is a drastically truncated season, and our most likely scenario is no season at all. We are currently operating on the money our fans and to a lesser extent the broadcasters and sponsors pay us in advance for games. The day is fast approaching when we will have to cancel several games and perhaps the season. And then our fans and our partners will have every right to demand their money back. At that moment, our financial crisis will become very real and very big. The commissioner of the CFL saying that the most likely scenario this year is no season at all. We want to ask you, would you miss the CFL if it were to ultimately disappear? Have that conversation coming up in our next segment, but the lines are jammed at 204-780-6868. Again, wishing I was fishing. This includes a weekend at Q Lake Lodge, three-night stay for up to six guests, includes a guided fishing tour on a boat, all kinds of great stuff from the fishing hole. Full details at cjob.com, and we are giving this prize away on Monday on the start. Now, here is the question. 
And this is kind of, you know, topical even, given the current situation. We used to do this all the time. Now we only do it about 35% of the time. What is it? Alex, you are up first. Hello there. Alex, are you there? (laughs) Um, We used to do this all the time. Now we only do it about 35% of the time. Oh, my gosh. Um, Drive? No, I'm sorry. But that's a great guess. A lot of people staying home, right? Loren, how often do you get in your car these days? Mm, Maybe once a week, sometimes once every two weeks. The, The maximum is once a week. Lana, do you know the answer? Uh, on a trip? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, where, where are you going to go? Sylvia, do you know? Talk about the weather? No, no, afraid not. I, I, would, I would guess that's uh, probably happening more. Parrish, good morning to you, sir. Do you know the answer? Morning, guys. Nah, you know, I'm kind of stumped here, but uh, I'll throw out um, maybe... Uh, go see family or something like I don't know. No, I'm uh, sorry, buddy. That's not the answer. Okay, thanks. Guys. Okay, have a good weekend, Parish. Glenn, do you know the answer? How about a greeting kiss? A greeting kiss? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I I just take a a pat on the shoulder at this point. <laughs> hey, Kane, we used to do this all the time. Now we only do it about thirty five percent of the time. What is it? Oh, geez. Um, shower? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I suppose that's possible, but that's not the answer. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> Working at home, I guess. Just sitting around in your sweatpants. Ah, uh, God. Shane, do you know? Could it be shaking hands? No, not shaking hands. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love a firm handshake right about now. Paula, do you know what it is? Hi there. Hi. Um, grocery shopping? You're on the right track. You're, you, you have entered the vicinity, but that's not the answer. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Paula. So, yeah, we'll say that. It has to do with shopping. Brandon, do you know what it is? Is it pay with cash? Brandon, you, sir, are correct. Very Let's good. Go. Let's go, indeed. Are you an angler, Brandon? I am. Awesome. Have you ever heard of this Q Lake Lodge? I haven't. Okay. Well, listen, get the full details at cjob.com, but this prize is spectacular. Valued over $6,000 from Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets. This is an angler's dream getaway. So maybe we'll be calling your name on Monday. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Brandon, by the way, do you pay with cash now when you go out? Uh, I'm going to say no. No? Definitely not. Okay. Most, for the most part, uh, debit, yeah. Yeah. A lot of places aren't even accepting it anymore. No, I still got that $10 in my wallet. <laughs> month, so. You know what? That's a great point. I've I've got a wad of cash in my wallet that I've had there for, I bet you, six weeks that I haven't yep. used. Okay, Brandon, yeah, I'm going to put you on hold and get the detail, and Forte is going to get your details off the air, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Stand by. Yeah, Greg, I mean, and in terms of places that say they're, that they're not accepting cash, can they legally turn cash away? I, I guess under normal circumstances, I would say they likely cannot. I don't know for sure, but right now, certainly uh, to say that you need to be paid in an alternate 
method. I don't think anybody's A, going to give them a hard time about that or get a hard time from the government or any other organization because this is obviously safer. Although, Loren, uh, a lot of places still don't have tap. And once you get over a certain threshold, for most people, it's 100 bucks. The tap doesn't work anyway. So I don't know what I would prefer, handing over cash. I guess it's not about me, though. It's handling it on the other hand or actually handling the pin pad and pressing the pin pad. I, I, I'm not sure that there's a, a distinct difference in that transaction if it's, uh, if it's me punching in numbers on a pin pad. Yeah, we've talked about that in our house because some places we go, you know, just for those quick stops so you don't have to go in. Gas stations now, right? You don't, to not go in, they don't have attendance there. So you either use the machine or you have to go in and use the, the taps. So you still have to touch the machine sometimes, which can be problematic. For me, the big problem of the cashless society, and I don't mind that because cash can be gross. Like think about how many hands is it, it, it exchanges pre pandemic, post pandemic. It can be gross, but I, I really find myself wanting to tip a heck of a lot more now than ever before, right? Your delivery guy comes to your door for your food, uh, the post office, the, the packages that we're all getting delivered potentially, you know, that we're not talking, touching each other. There's all this contactless delivery. And all I want to do is find some way to thank them. You know, you, I, 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 like, I don't, how do I tip my Canada Post guy? I, I, I genuinely don't know. But here's our bottom line. We want the support we need to get through this crisis and not a dime more. We support the decisions government made, government have made, but their effects on, on our business is devastating. We just don't want it to be fatal. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, who got a rough ride yesterday during his testimony before a House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance, where last week CFL requesting up to $150 million in financial assistance from the federal government due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And the headline at globalnews.ca, cancellation of CFL season is most likely scenario. Commissioner says. So Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte is here. Why don't we start with Kelly Moore, CJOB sports director. What was your reaction, Kelly, when you saw that headline? Well, it certainly is a lot more dire and probably, I guess, some might say a lot more realistic uh, than what has been said publicly to date. Although last week when the news did come out about the request for federal assistance, uh, the commissioner did uh, paint a less rosy picture. You know, the the last official statement from the Canadian Football League uh, was April 7th uh, when they said that uh, they would not be starting the season until early July. Uh, That obviously has fallen by the wayside. I I, I just think it's it's a terrible blow, uh, but... When you measure it against everything that's going on, we always have to try to maintain perspective. Uh, but uh, just thinking of, of, of a year without the Canadian Football League, uh, hopefully that is uh, the the least amount of the damage. Uh, you know, the commissioner did say without that funding, uh, he fears for the future of the league. And and boy, I'll tell you that would be uh, that would be a real heartbreaking scenario if. Uh, the Canadian Football League was not able to survive this. What about you, Jeff Braun? Yeah, I agree with everything Kelly said. It's definitely a bummer to miss a whole season of CFL football, Winnipeg Blue Bomber football, especially after the year the Bombers just had when we're the defending Grey Cup champs. But to think that it would even go beyond that is, I, I, I can't even really let that enter into my brain just yet. 
Jeff Forte? I was going to ask, what does that mean for, like, so are, are we champions for two years? What's the, what's the situation here? <laughs> Greg? Well, I think that I think a lot of people are saying that that's might be the only positive that comes out of this is if there's a pause this year, then the Blue Bombers remain champs for for two years. Uh, this is a difficult situation. No question about it. Look, the possibility oh. Blue Bombers, the possibility of the Blue Bombers not playing a season is one thing. The possibility of the CFL going away altogether, I think, is something that Randy Ambrosi was was hinting that might happen if this comes to fruition. And look, when the Jets left Winnipeg in 1996, Winnipeg certainly didn't fall off the map, but compare the, you know, the 14 or 15 years without the Jets to the last nine years with them and the Bombers winning the Grey Cup, the psyche and the emotional connection and the pride in Winnipeg in the last eight, nine years has certainly changed. And a lot of that has to do with our relationship with our professional sports team. So I agree with you, Kelly, in terms of there are more important things, but it's definitely something that uh, that the federal government has to has to be mindful of. This is a big part of our of our society, a big part of who we are and our identity. Kelly, we're going to jump in. in? Just, yeah, I was just going to say, Brett, uh, Brett, uh, Brett, rather, if I might be able to, if we've got a Brent and a Brett uh, with our uh, radio station. But you know, I, and Greg, you were right in the middle of it as I was last year during our. And Loren, you were there too with your two boys. Uh, just the Grey Cup parade and then the celebration at the Forks. Uh, just the pure and utter joy and elation from the thousands of Winnipeggers who were a part of that. Uh, you know, I, I think that clearly illustrates what the Canadian Football League, and specifically what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, in completely positive circumstances, means to this city and province. McNabb? Yeah, and I think that even for... Like we watch every game in this house or as many as we can or listen to it on the drive with Bob Irving. And so much of that is just part of your summer. So even if you're just a casual fan, it really is like this part of, I don't know, it really feels very Manitoban to be a CFL fan and getting to the game and sitting in the stands. And it's like the smells of summer all kind of for us, you know, for many of us involve football and involve the bombers and so it's just sort of like another you know you're you, the way you've taken we've all taken these hits of this pandemic and you know you measure it in these different kinds of losses this would be i think really huge for a lot of people just in terms of how it shapes their summers and how and falls you know that feeling in the fall and the crisp air and and uh the snap of the football i don't know i, I you you can get poetic about the cfl i think and it would be a big loss for people um just in terms of how they mark there's summers and falls. Jeff Braun, do you have any particular CFL memories that stand out for you? Uh, the last game was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, I actually, and this is kind of, for me, just on a personal note, it's a little, um, it would be sad because last year was the first year where I actually really started getting into the CFL, not just following it, but going to the games. Like I had the opportunity to go to a couple of games through work with our sales staff, and I really enjoyed being there. I, I had shied away from sporting events for years, but the Banjo Bowl was so much fun, and then I got to go to another game, but it was a stinker game. Bombers got hammered, but it was still fun to be there, and I was looking forward to going to maybe a few more games this year, so I would 
would like to. Hopefully they can salvage something. Irene texting us saying, for me personally, it would really suck. Can't seem to wait every year for the start of the season. Plus the only game you get to hear clearly way out here in the sticks. So let us know at 204-780-6868. Tim, on the other hand, Greg says, I don't think entertainment should be funded. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, there are a lot of people that feel that way. There are a lot of people that don't agree with yeah. uh, with uh, money for stadiums and arenas and that sort of thing. And I get that. Uh, my grandfather was one of them. And we used to have a lot of heated conversations about that topic. But when it comes to civic pride and there are hundreds of jobs on the line, the spinoff benefits are, you know, ec- economists will say that's not worth the investment. Well, you know what? Tell that to my kids who love Winnipeg uh, as much as they do for as much uh, about uh, the Bombers as, and the Jets as anything else. And there are tens of thousands of us like that who have uh, an ultimate pride in, in where we live uh, because of that connection with our teams. Call us goofy, call us weird, call us strange, but th- that's a fact. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, yesterday's answer for the trivia question for our Wish and I Was Fishing contest involved cats. 58% of single women have at least one of these at home. Only 49% of single men do. What is it? Hello there, Brenda. Good morning. Do you have a guess? <laughs> well, um, I'm going to say a cat. You know what? What? I'm going to give no. that to you because the, the the answer was a pet. So there you go. So Brett, then you went on to confess that you have and would take medication for your cat allergies in the name of love. And let's face it, who doesn't love a cat, right, Loren? Or who does love a cat might be a question. But I'm kidding. I'm allergic to cats. I hope everyone knows that. And so when I'm around them, I'm a mess. And so they're not my favorite species, but... I guess I could love them from a distance, Greg. Why do you ask? <laughs> well, yesterday on the happy hour with Christian O'Mel from 8 till 9 right here on CJOB, Christian caught up with Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice. And let's just say the conversation was friendly enough, talking about Paul's time at home with the family. But then things did get a little catty. You're just trying to make the best of a tough situation. And for us, that's five adults in one house uh, for long periods of time. But the positive of that is, I'm, you know, it's fun. I, I'm having that part's fun for me. We get to have dinner together most nights and um, they're just finishing their school years or coming to an end like this week. So it, it's been that part of it is, is I, I'm having more fun than they are clearly, but, uh, but it's been all right. It's been okay. I'm going to hold on to one set. My cat is eating a piece of chicken. He got out of the microwave. Yes. I'm giving you one second. Hey, hey. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, so that's what I'm dealing with uh, during this. Well, I got I got two cats, so we're we're in the same boat, man. <laughs> they're, they're heading for the door every time it opens. There, yeah, I, I get you. See, he, I got him March 15th, so right at the start of the the pandemic, and I've been working from home oh, yeah. for about a month, so. All he's yeah. used to is me being around constantly, and I'm yes. wondering what's going to happen when I we actually get back to normal. I can actually work from work again, but uh, yeah, anyway, no, for sure, right? Like one of the cats, <laughs> honest to God, one of our cats will sit just basically sit by the door and wait for my wife to get home. She so if she's not sleeping, she's just kind of standing, staring at the door, waiting for my wife to come back because she's so used to having her around for sure. 
He's also been biting me a lot, and I don't like that. So, Uh-oh. I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> no. Um, all right, so back to you and not my cat. So, Awesome. <laughs> Only Christian could pull that off with the head so- coach of the National Hockey League. <laughs> I have so many questions. Was the, did the cat open the microwave? Like the, the uh, there was chicken in the microwave, and the cat got at it. There's who just, knows? I got, I got follow-ups to that beyond the fact that it was amazing that Paul just rolled with the punches there and uh, yeah. just started talking about his own cats. I, this cat of Christians <laughs> might be a genius. If you want to follow more on Christian's cat, just follow him on Instagram at Omel. He posts daily uh, series of unsportunate events, and they heavily feature yeah. his cat. <laughs> Mackling McGarry and McNabb, it was about a month ago that doctors put out a plea to Manitobans to pick up the phone and call if they needed help with a message, do not put your health on hold. But because of COVID-19, there was and, and perhaps continues to be a perception that family doctors aren't able to help people with other issues. But in fact, Doctors Manitoba reported a concerning drop in patients calling for help as a result, with many reporting that people just weren't coming in or calling that they were taking the stay-at-home advice seriously because they maybe felt there was no other option for treatment for their other aches and pains beyond COVID, Greg. We also know there's been a lot of virtual medicine happening and we also know there needed to be uh, some inpatient visits as well. Dr. Furry Smith is a family physician and head of Doctors Manitoba. Dr. Smith joins us now. Good morning, sir. Uh, Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Lorraine, uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, we're doing fairly well. Uh, Loren made the point that uh, we're we're finally recognizing the days of the week. Uh, That plea that you made with us uh, about a month ago, at work, did people start picking up the phone and and booking appointments to to see their physician either in person or over the phone? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I will share with you that uh, uh, with the help of uh, people like yourself, uh, the Don't Put Your Health on Hold campaign from Doctors Manitoba has been a huge success. Uh, I'm very happy to say that we have seen a significant improvement and uptake in terms of patients reaching out and contacting their physician's offices to find out uh, what their options are in terms of accessing the healthcare system. And really, really important, guys, I will share with you some of the, the data and the statistics that's coming out of the United Kingdom and out of the United States, uh, sort of confirming the, the, the concerns we had. Uh, in the UK, for example, they are estimating that there was approximately 75% less referrals in the month of March uh, to specialists for uh, different cancer and malignancy-related diseases, which equates to approximately 2,300 patients not being diagnosed with cancer and not being treated per week in the UK. Some of the numbers in the States is is, is more alarming, up to 80,000 a month. So so the message of don't put your health on hold is so extremely important and, and just being supported by the numbers and the data that's coming out from uh, from other countries. How does it work? I say I call my family doctor with a sore throat or a parent calls about a child who might have an ear infection. How do you actually diagnose that over the phone? <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent question, right? I mean, the first, first important thing to recognize is that we can't diagnose everything over the phone. Uh, certainly some, some medical conditions lend themselves very well to virtual care. Uh, those types of patients with chronic medical conditions, uh, that's well known to the physician. And uh, for those referrals to specialists that the family physician has already seen and examined and worked up and all the information goes with the patient. So 
a lot of data available to the specialist to do that virtual consult. So, so some things it's easy to deal with over the phone, but, but some things uh, very likely your physician will say, listen, mom, listen, dad, I'm just not comfortable uh, uh, diagnosing your kid over the phone. We, we need to do the right thing and play it safe. I'd like to see him this afternoon or tomorrow morning, first thing, whatever the case may be. In that case, is a COVID-19 you know, test required before someone comes in? Because I've heard other parents worry, oh, are they going to make me go get this test when that's not what I'm worried about? I'm worried about something else. Is that a requirement before that inpatient visit, Dr. Smith? No, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, what will absolutely still take place is uh, uh, when you phone your physician's office, we will ask appropriate questions and, and screen you in terms of determining the risk that uh, that you might uh, uh, Post to, to, to staff and, and, and other patients at the time. But it's really more for us to determine how we should manage you once you walk through the door in terms of uh, using PPEs and protecting you and, and those around you. But in terms of having access to your family physician, that is certainly not the requirement, and, and that has never been the case. So, Dr. Smith, uh, we've been doing a lot of conversations lately about moving forward and what we see as the future following this pandemic or, or the, the, the new normal, as many have uh, taken to calling it. Do you see uh, doctors in Manitoba embracing telemedicine uh, more, more fervently uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think without a doubt. And it's something that we're really trying to, to advance with government as well, trying to find that sweet spot uh, uh, where there is a, a, a balance between what is convenient for the patient, what improves access uh, uh, to, to care in the healthcare system, and what we can deliver in a, in a safe manner to, to sort of uh, uh, keep our patients safe in advance and advance their health on, on all levels. So I think definitely moving forward, certainly it's the hope of physicians that we can incorporate this in some way, shape or form uh, in the future. Yeah, we, I got an email from Lil to Brett at CJOB.com who says, my husband had a follow-up visit with our family doctor. We were sitting on our couch at home. Doctor was in his office. It worked well. We could focus on the questions. The doctor could show us the visual of the report to which he was referring. We usually don't have the opportunity with in-person visits. So for this particular situation, the virtual visit, it worked well and saved us travel time and waiting time. Exactly. And you know what? The other thing there is probably if the wife is there, the husband listens better as well. So uh, it's, uh, it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> uh, on the same vein, you know, uh, we've been thinking for years, you go into the walk-in clinic and, and you're sitting around a bunch of sick people and that might not be the best place for you anyway. So this is this could be a step forward. We only have 30 seconds left here, Dr. Smith, but this could be a real advancement and maybe making us healthier if we aren't all in the same room together all the time. Absolutely. And, and once again, we hope that's going to be part of our future, uh, 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 um, uh, you know, moving forward. Certainly, that's the hope of Doctors Manitoba to keep everybody as, as, as healthy as possible. Dr. Forey Smith is a family physician and head of Doctors Manitoba, joining us live on CJOB. Dr. Smith, thank you for the time. Thanks, guys. Stay well. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. The CFL commissioner says due to COVID-19, the cancellation of the season is most likely. Should the federal government give financial aid to the CFL? So far at cjob.com, 53% say no, there are bigger priorities. 32% say yes, whatever they need. And 16% say yes, but not the full 150 mil. 
You can cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put that poll up on Twitter at 680CJOB. Yesterday was Child and Youth Mental Health Day. We visited with one of our favorite guests, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, to talk about the effect of all this time at home on kids and their state of mind. It really is a critical piece of the pandemic puzzle as parents and their kids try to navigate day after day what sometimes feels like limited options for entertainment or learning and play. And every day you're thinking, you know, what can I do to help them through this? Should I be allowing them to do what they're doing? So we're finding all sorts of ways to be creative on this front as we end week seven or eight of no kids in school. Uh, Screen time, electronics we know is up. There's a battle about whether they should be in our kids' hands, has been for years. And it's sort of magnifying, I think, Greg, some of the tension that exists in many homes pre-pandemic and might be on the rise post-pandemic. And on the flip side, we discovered there's also some positives coming out of these unusual times. Yeah, I think so. Less structure isn't always good, but I think many parents will agree that the rigidity of not overscheduled routines uh, that most of us had pre-pandemic were a gigantic strain for many. For as much as my kids and yours might be missing the team sports and scheduled activities, there may be a sense of relief for parents and for some kids. What if this was a more usual thing? Lenora Skenazy is the founder of an organization called Let Grow and the founder of Free Range Kids. She is also the author of a book with the very same name. Lenora joins us now from New York. Good morning, Lenora. Oh, good morning to you guys out there. Hello. We appreciate you taking some time for us. So less structure and fewer extracurricular activities. We shared a couple of emails back and forth on this yesterday. Can it be a good Mm -hmm. thing for our kids, Lenora? Yeah, well, if we're talking about mental health, what was happening before the pandemic was not great for kids either. Um, There was spiking anxiety and depression had been going up for, I'd say, decades at this point, to the point where, um, what is it, one in three kids, according to the National Institutes of Health down here, uh, adolescents, I should say, was experiencing diagnosable anxiety or depression. And our theory is, well, what had changed over that time? And it, and it was happening before social media going up. So I don't think it was just social media. I think it was kids having so little free time. You know, they have to wake up really early because mom and dad both have to get out the door. And so nobody can, like, you know, waste a second on their cereal. And they have to get out at 7.05 and get to school. And then after school, there's, there's sports, there's homework help, there's homework itself. There might be a music lesson, there's dinner, there's reading log. It was, there was so little free time that kids didn't have a chance to breathe or to have a moment that, that, they, that they were running for themselves. And, you know, it feels bad to be micromanaged. And so this is the opposite. The name of the book is Free Range Kids. Uh, sorry, Lorena jumped on your toes there. But what what is a Free Range Kid? Free Range Kid, which has grown into Let Grow Kid, um, which is the name of the nonprofit, is a kid who is um, given some independence. And through that independence, not everything goes absolutely right. You know, they fall down, but they learn to get up again. They organize their own games. They solve their own arguments with their friends. They're given basically the kind of childhood that you probably had. Am, am I wrong? The child that I right? had? <laughs> the I, I, childhood that you had. Well, the childhood the, I had. Yeah, it's not the God. We're not talking God. We're talking about what you did when you were eight, nine, ten years old. Were you, were you in an organized activity every single day? Not every day, no. Mm-hmm. And so what did you do when you had some free time? I, I like to, to play outside. I didn't have video games yet, so mm-hmm. I, I still went to play outside. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's what we're seeing kids doing now. And, um, you know, I cannot tell you how many people have told me that their kids have started bicycling or uh, bicycling for their first time or um, taking off the training wheels, which seems like an amazing, you know, metaphor almost for what's happening. We just at LECRO, we just asked kids to write us essays about what new things they were doing on their own. And, um, you know, they're, they're cooking, they're making masks, they're going outside, they're climbing trees. These are things that kids either weren't allowed to do before because their parents were too afraid of stranger danger or wasting time when they should be, you know, doing something more productive. Or um, they just simply didn't think of doing because they, they'd sort of evaporated from the culture. And, and so we did a study, um, which I haven't, you're, you're the first to hear these results because I haven't published them yet. But um, we asked, uh, you know, a broad swath of uh, Americans, 800 of them, you know, from every region, race, creed, you name it. Um, you know, how are your kids doing? And the number one thing, we gave them a whole list. You know, they could say, um, you know, bored, capable, worried, excited, smart, angry, whatever. And the number one thing, of course, was bored. But the number two thing that parents checked off on the list was happy. And twice as many people checked off happy as sad. And so there's something about being given back some freedom in your childhood to, to sleep a little later, to play a game, to goof off, to ride your bike, that is um, actually kind of healthy for kids. You mentioned just the, the time that we all have. And cooking mm-hmm. stood out for me. One of the things you mentioned, all sorts of my friends, kids are cooking their own meals now at age nine, 10 and 11. And I think part of that is that the parents are half, you know, we might be working from home and it's not so structured where you say, Hey, I have to cook this meal right now because they only have 30 minutes to eat before they go to mm-hmm. hockey practice before they come home. Mm-hmm. Now they're just saying to their kids, you're hungry, figure it out. And I think that's an incredible part of it because that's such a big step to independence too. It is. And, and the time thing is a couple of things. One is that you had to get out the, out the door to the hockey practice. And the other thing is, if kids do it, they're going to they're gonna goof up, right? The, the flour is going to spill. You know, something is going to go wrong. And then it, it adds time to that schedule. And you don't have any time in the schedule to clean up the spill, to start from scratch again if something burns. And so you're right. With this swath of free time and with the parents having to, you know, work from home and they don't have the kids at school for all those hours or at school and then the after, after school activities, they, they, they need the help. And what's really cool and one of the reasons I think the kids are feeling pretty good these days is that it feels great to help. You know, it feels bad to be just the person who takes, 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 you know, let me do that for you. Let me tie your shoe. Let me put on your backpack. Let's, you know, I'm going to drive you to school. If you can say, mom, I mean, what is Mother's Day? Mother's Day for us is tomorrow. Is it for you in Canada tomorrow as well? I mean, on, on Sunday? Sunday, yeah. Right? Right. And what do kids love about Mother's Day? That's the day they make the pancakes. That's the day they pair for mom. And they're as excited as the mom, right? Because it feels so good. Like, look, I'm doing this for her. It flips the roles. It makes you feel like you're not a baby. Well, it feels really good not to feel like a baby, especially when you're 12, 13, 14. And until now, you've been treated like a baby. You've been driven everywhere. You've been helped every second. So um, the the guest that you had on yesterday talking about this lack of structure, it's a lack of structure um, combined with self-direction and responsibility. And I think that's a pretty important uh, triumvirate of things happening to kids. They've gotten some control of their lives back. People think that they are capable, and what's more, they're not only proving it, they're helping out. Those, those feel great. 
Lenore Scanese is the founder of an organization called Let Grow and the founder of Free Range Kids. And the name of the book is Free Range Kids, How to Raise Safe, Self-Reliant Children. Lenore, thank you so much for the time. This has been fun. Oh, thanks for finding me down here. Good luck up there. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Coming up after Global News at 9.30, we are going to speak to a former hockey goalie who commented publicly yesterday on toxic hockey culture. We'll get his thoughts on the Brendan Leipzig situation. And indeed, we begin this hour on that note as well because body image has been a big part of the conversation in the last couple of days, Greg. No question about it, and that's thanks to the degrading comments made by Winnipeg-born NHL player Brendan Leipzig and some of his friends. And yesterday, we were discussing the debate over commenting publicly on Adele's weight loss, Loren. Andrea Cates is from Fit Women and Girls and Fit Communications, and she's really someone we often turn to to topics relating to women's health and fitness, and so we wanted to pick her brain on this topic this morning. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, we were playing some audio uh, around the 7 o'clock hour from one of the girls who was targeted by some of these mean and hateful words uh, in this group chat. She's a Winnipegger. She focuses a lot on, on body image herself. And one of the things that I thought was so honest but probably true was she said, you know what, she was shocked by what was said, but then she wasn't shocked because she knows these are the kinds of conversations that are taking place, not just in group chats on social media, but in rooms right across this country. And, and I thought that was the saddest thing of all to, to know that that might be true, that there are all this talk happens far more than we might realize. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think that it's just a hockey thing. So, I, I mean, I think we have to look at the fact that, unfortunately, this is happening all the time. Um, uh, you know, with Brendan Leipzig, it's unfortunate for, obviously, for him and his family that this was uh, put out there publicly. But this is happening behind closed doors quite often, and this is just sort of shedding some light into the degrading and horrible way that sometimes uh, people can talk about others. Andrea, can try and give us some insight. Uh, as a woman, did, did you deal with any of this yourself, uh, either uh, face-to-face or finding out behind the scenes that people were, were talking about you? I think at some point in time, uh, whether you're, you're a, a female or a male, it, no matter who you are, you may have had people talking about you behind your back and just maybe convey to us just how hurtful and how harmful it can be to, to your overall uh, mental health and, and your psyche. For sure. I think, I, I think there's not a woman out there that hasn't had this type of thing happen, whether it be behind her back or to her face or a combination of the two. Um, I've definitely had it happen to me. And I think it really comes down to, you know, who's saying it, you have to sort of consider the source, right? Why they're saying it. Um, and what's your own personal self-confidence like so that, you know, is, is it easier or harder for you to kind of brush things off? So, but nobody likes to hear that. <clears throat> you know, nobody wants to hear anything degrading or some of the names especially that he was using in some of the group chats were just horrific. Like nobody could handle that and just, you know, sort of brush it off their shoulder like it was no big deal. I think that anytime you say anything degrading to a woman about her body, her sexuality, the way she looks, it's horrific and it's seriously abusive. And so I think that 
Um, you know, some women can really take that to heart, not, not just women, men too. Right. I think, you know, pending where you are on your own sort of self-love and confidence scale, you might, you might take it, you know, a little bit easier, but some people can take it, you know, really, really badly. Um, and it can, it can affect their overall self-image about themselves, their body image and their mental health. So I think people have to be a, a lot, a lot more gentle in the way that they speak to each other. It's, it's horrific that this is going on. It's easy for us to say, well, just love yourself. You know, you should love yourself more. But how do you prop someone up who is in a, you know, maybe somebody is a recipient of a comment like that and it causes them to, to hate themselves or, or sort of de- descend into some self-loathing? Like, how, do, how can you prop yourself up if you find yourself kind of spiraling into that uh, domain? For sure. I mean, I think that depending on what level, like, I mean, if you are to to a point of depression, um, definitely speaking to a professional is the first and foremost thing that I would suggest um, having a, a good support network. So whether that's friends or family or your partner to sort of um, talk to you about the way that you're feeling about yourself, negative or positive. Um, but really, self-confidence comes from within. So, you know, somebody can tell you a hundred times that you're really beautiful, but if you don't feel that yourself, then it's going to be hard for you to believe that. So you really need to kind of work on that self-love internally. Um, I saw one of the women that was actually attacked by Brendan Leipzig in his in his group chat. She uh, She sort of took it online a little bit of a different way. She had taken a photo of herself uh, with some of the mean things that he had said about her and then flipped it where there was another photo, same photo of herself, but all the nice things that people were saying back to her on Twitter, how beautiful she was and how she's got a great soul and all these kinds of things. So um, sort of taking that uh, negative and turning it into a positive is a really good thing. And there are a lot of resources for people to, to reach out to. Uh, Natalie Reimer Anderson is a great example. She's a self-love coach here in Winnipeg. Um, she has a really, really diverse group of programs, um, anything from, you know, a six-week program to a full-year program for people that are having some trouble finding that self-love for themselves within um, and need a little bit more assistance with trying to get through it. There's so many conversations to have. It's about, you know, empowering yourself and empowering others. And and one of the things that I think that's important that we need to say out of this too, and and you mentioned it off the top, it's that you don't think it's just a hockey thing, that this happens in all sorts of different sports teams or offices, what have you. And I think we also need to call one another's behaviors out when we overhear something like this, when it comes to over-examining people's bodies. If we hear somebody in our circle or our work or whatever say something degrading, we have to stand up and say that's not acceptable. Acceptable. Don't just not walk away, but say something about it. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that's a great example of that group chat that was going on with Brendan Leipzig and his pals. Like, they, for you to just say LOL about what he's speaking about, that's, you're just almost as guilty. I mean, sure, those specific disgusting words didn't come out of your mouth, but to LOL about it doesn't make you any better, you know, standing up for people and saying, you know what, this is a disgusting way to talk about women. And how would you feel if somebody talked about that, like your mom or your sister or your girlfriend, right? So I think definitely it, the onus has to be put back on whoever they're saying it to to stick up for the person that's there um, and for them to almost feel shamed and embarrassed. I'm sure his family right now is shamed and embarrassed for the for that kind of behavior. And it's unfortunate that it had to take this type of public outcry um, for, for him to sort of realize that this is just not okay. You know, I can't help but think about, you know, women, boys, girls, uh, men affected by this. But I, 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 
not uh, a few months ago, not not more than a few months ago, one of my boys uh, confessed to uh, my wife and I that that he felt as though he had no friends, that nobody liked him, and that when he went to school, he felt as though he was all alone in certain circumstances, and it, the tears pouring out of his face, a, a feeling as though he wasn't worthy of affection and and of friendship. And, and until you've had that this happen to yourself or had it to someone that that you love so much, it's it, I think very difficult to to comprehend how painful and hurtful these things are. Oh, that's horrible, especially when you hear it was from young kids because you worry about, you know, where are they getting these ideas from? What can I do? What didn't I do? Those kinds of things, right, as a parent. Um, we, we do some various workshops um, for kids about confidence, and we have created a confidence workbook for kids that um, helps them sort of build their confidence and, and see for parents where um, where their kids currently are on that sort of confidence scale. And we've heard some, you know, usually the younger they are when they're five, six, seven years old, they could tell you a million and one good things that they love about themselves. But as they get a little bit older into that between, you know, 11 and 14, that confidence starts to go a little bit down. Um, and, you know, we've heard girls say to us, you know, how do I become more pretty? Or I don't have any friends. Or I think I'm fat. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, where are you getting these ideas from? Is it somebody at school? Is it in the home? Um, you know, is it from the media or, or that kind of thing? So really having a good understanding of, of where your kids are at, I think, is really important. And having that, I mean, for you, with your example, with your son, great that he was able to feel comfortable to come and talk to you. Because if he hadn't and he just sort of let those feelings low, that would be almost worse, right? Because they could just kind of keep building on themselves. And now you have you know, the ability to get involved and hopefully help him get those feelings um, into more positive feelings about himself. Andrea, before we let you go here, what about the Adele situation? Uh, People were getting upset at others for commenting and congratulating her on her weight loss. So should we be commenting on other people's weight loss? You know, that's a great question. I think that's a very personal, like, person-to-person thing. I mean, she's lost over 100 pounds. It's not something that you wouldn't notice, right? She looks amazing. But I also think that, um, you know, saying to somebody, oh, my God, you lost so much weight. You look great. Why not just leave it at, hey, you look great, right? You don't necessarily have to point out that they were overweight before to give them a compliment. Um, Maybe just leaving it at, you look fantastic or you know and if you are interested in what they did for your own personal reasons maybe you can kind of take that offline i think sometimes when people have lost weight it's the you know public conversation that oh well that person didn't know that i used to weigh 50 pounds more or that kind of thing but some people are really proud that they just lost that 50 weight so i really think it's a it's an individual thing so it's it's something to tread lightly on i don't think anybody has bad intentions by saying wow, you look amazing, you've lost 100 pounds. But I think that there sometimes are some other things going on behind the scenes. And so to just sort of tread a little bit lightly and just leave the compliment as a compliment. You look amazing, you know. Let's just leave it at that. We don't necessarily have to include what they did to look amazing. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Have a great day. We do want to continue the conversation, though. It's Friday. We like to have fun. Uh, But this has not been a fun topic, Greg. The subject of Brendan Leipzig and his friends saying all that disgusting crap in their chat room. 
No, there's been uh, nothing easy about this conversation at all. You mentioned, and we got to speak about it very briefly yesterday, the idea of our lies, of our social media, of anything that we've ever done surviving a forensic audit. I think it's a minority of people who would be able to hold their heads high about every single thing they've ever done, said, or been heard saying uh, in their lives. So uh, I think this is a cause for pause for a variety of different reasons, uh, not the least of which uh, is the fact that there are uh, several young women uh, in our community hurting uh, badly based on what was said yesterday. What we're talking about, of course, is that chat involving the Washington Capitals player, his brother, Jeremy Leipzig. So Brendan, Jeremy, and of course, Florida Panthers prospect, Jack Roadwall, and others. There was fat shaming in the com- comments, degrading women, and, and then speaking just really ugly about each other's sexual conquest. And so our next guest that we want to bring on, he actually spent years in Manitoba's hockey system as a goalie with AAA Hockey in the under-18 program. And yesterday, Bennett Garber took to Instagram to say, quote, the foundation of these insensitive and misogynistic remarks goes much deeper than this single group of players and one group chat. Bennett wrote that this is not an isolated case. It's ingrained in the bedrock of the sport. He says he grew up in amateur hockey locker rooms and writes, I have been a part of various vulgar hockey team group chaps, chats. Young men gained their sense of acceptance and belonging from being a part of the team and says, I can tell you making fun of women is not only accepted, it's encouraged. There was a lot more read and said in that post by Bennett, but rather than reading it all to you this morning, we thought let's bring Bennett on. And so good morning. Thanks very much for taking the time to be with us today, Bennett. Good morning. How's it going? We're good. That post says a lot. There's You're pretty honest in there, and it also puts some of your own behavior out there when it comes to just things that have been said in chats of your own. Why did you do it? Why write it? Um, so after I saw the uh, the comments made by uh, some former some of the players uh, in the NHL, um, I just kind of felt compelled to say my piece and say my part because um, it was definitely something that I had gotten used to being a part of the Manitoba hockey system and something that I had seen pretty frequently. So I felt that it was a, a deep rooted issue and something that I felt compelled to comment on. Bennett, have you experienced this sort of thing uh, elsewhere as, you, as you've as you left hockey and moved on to other things in your life? Um, well, I've definitely experienced some of these, uh, seen some of these misogynistic comments and insensitive comments like this. Um, but uh, what I saw in group chats going up through the ranks in uh, Manitoba hockey and just hockey in general, um, it's really it's really part of the culture. Um some of these insensitive and misogynistic comments. So um, it's definitely something I'm used to seeing. It's not something that I should be used to seeing, but I I definitely wasn't surprised when I saw some of these comments. Obviously, misogyny doesn't exist just in hockey, but we're focusing on the hockey component right now. Is What do you think it is about hockey that, that provokes these young men to develop this kind of mentality? Is there something that sticks out? Uh, you know, that's a great question, and um, that's something that I was hoping to spark in a lot of the readers of the Post, um, because it is a fundamental issue, so um, I-, I couldn't answer that question with one single answer, because I don't think there is one single answer, um, but it's something that uh, definitely needs to change. A lot of people out there, and, and to Brett's point, uh, Bennett, will say this might be a locker room thing or a group thing, kind of that pack mentality that when you get in a pack, you follow the few that might be saying or doing things that they shouldn't be doing. 
no matter what side of the equation you land on and whether this is a sport thing, a hockey thing, a men thing, or, or if it's happening in all sorts of circles. I'm curious if at any point in these group chats that you may have had with your teammates or uh, friends, did anyone just say, hey, uh, stop using that word or don't call her this or that or stop talking about your sexual conquest that way? I don't, I, and I don't know what the chats were about, but I'm just throwing that out where does anyone ever stand up and say this isn't acceptable along the way? Um, it's definitely not common to see uh, someone step up just because I mean, these players are young and uh, like a lot of players that are playing on hockey teams all throughout the world, they're young and they're fairly influential. So um, they do fall into that group think and that, that, that group idea. But um, it's definitely not something that I've seen so much of, of, of someone standing up. It's definitely something that we need to work on um, teaching children to do to, to recognize and stand up when they see stuff like this. Ben, it's something that used to be incredibly common in sport uh, of all kind. Uh, you saw it in fraternities, uh, this idea of hazing and, and initiations. I know that when I played sport, it was it was a big part of, of the culture. Depending on the team, it was different from team to team. But there, there was a lot of, uh, when universities and, and other minor sports tried to get rid of hazing en masse, there was a, a loud outcry from some folks who said, hey, this is part of, of sport and uh, this brings players together and I don't know if that's been completely eliminated or not but it, it, it's similar in my mind that there seems to be some sort of uh, connection to this is this is just kind of the way it is yeah definitely um, I think we've seen um, we've seen hockey do a good job of starting to get away from that hazing act um, when I was growing up playing it wasn't as big as a part of the game um, as maybe it was a little bit earlier before I started playing. Um, but that, that's de- that definitely relates because it's definitely one of those things that was, was part of the car- culture and we're starting to see that sort of phased out. Um, so when we talk about this whole misogyny and just making in general insensitive comments about anyone, um, I think that's something that we have to start to focus on phasing out as well. In terms of standing up in the in a chat group like this and saying, "Come on, guys, this is this is BS." Uh, what are the what are the chances that the person who stands up would then be ostracized by the rest of the team? Um, I think when you, when you focus on the team, I mean, it depends on who the person would be, obviously. But um, you want something like that to come from someone who's maybe in more leadership role. Um, just because their opinion is already uh, valued. So um, you want to see that come from anyone, obviously, because when you see something like stuff like that being said, you just want you want to eradicate it as soon as possible. Um, so I think the more so it, the more it comes from leadership, the better it is, but it really should be coming from anyone. Curious, Bennett, since posting that on Instagram, what kind of reaction have you received? I, I, I wonder if there's been former teammates or other who've, called you out or, or wished you had said, stayed quiet? Um, I haven't received any messages like that. It's mostly just been um, people reaching out to say that um, they agree, that they they think they've seen similar cases like this. Um, they've seen the culture of the sport. Um, I've had a few former players who I used to play against and with message me who aren't really playing anymore saying, this is the reason why I quit playing because I just didn't want to be a part of this culture anymore. I didn't want to be a part of this. Um, so that really spoke volumes to me when I saw some some players I used to play with just being like, 
yeah, this this was the main reason why I stopped playing. Bennett, uh, you know, I, I was uh, crafting my next question as I was listening to you speak, and I was hoping that you were going to say that this isn't an overall indictment of hockey and what you got out of it. As a, as a young athlete, uh, there is a saying that says sport doesn't uh, doesn't develop character; it reveals it, and uh, just this widely held belief that that it's the other way around. But now to to hear your response to say that you know of several people who actually got out of the game because of this sort of behavior going on, uh, setting me back a little bit. Uh, it's definitely something that, that is alarming, but um, I think there's a lot of great values to be learned from playing a team sport and definitely from playing hockey. I mean, a lot of the character that I am today comes from playing hockey and uh, I take a lot of benefits from playing. Um, but this, this deep rooted, um, group chat kind of issue with um, talking about people behind their backs and just making these types of comments. Um, that's something that definitely needs to be looked at. So, Bennett, before we let you go, I'm just also curious about this. Uh, hockey players in this country in particular are often treated kind of like royalty, uh, regardless of the level they're at. Is this maybe so this kind of behavior that we saw in this chat group, is this maybe a potential reflection of that, that some guys, not all of them, but some of the guys, uh, think that they can just do or say whatever they want. I definitely think that's a, that's a huge part of it. I mean, um, I'm not sure why um, that that is the case. That a lot of the times hockey players are looked at as royalty, um, but I do I do definitely do think that plays a role in it. Um, that some players think they're just untouchable and that they can say whatever they want. So um, it's definitely something that that plays a role for sure. Bennett Garber, former goalie in Manitoba's hockey system as a triple-A goalie. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and thanks for posting this, Bennett. We appreciate the honesty. For sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.